Hello, readers. Armin Katayan is a former network television correspondent for CBS News and longtime contributing correspondent to 60 Minutes, whose work garnered him 11 Emmy Awards. Currently, he's executive producer for The Athletic and co-author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Tiger Woods Biography, also titled Tiger Woods. Armin, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing very well. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us for a few minutes here. And I guess the first question we should ask you regarding the book is, uh, why did you decide to tackle this project, and what was the biggest challenge you faced when gathering information for the book? Well, we decided to tackle the project because I guess you can count the the number of people, certainly sports figures in the in the world, who are known by one word um, on the fingers of one hand, uh, and that tiger being one of them. So. After doing the system, the big deep dive we did on big-time college football, Jeff and I were looking for another sort of mountain to climb, and uh, we spent a considerable amount of time looking at, you know, everything that had been written, and certainly books about Tiger, and what we discovered was, you know, most of them, virtually all of them, were written uh, around certain periods of his life, prominently after he turned pro in 96, and then again after the, the accident in the scandal in, in 2009, late 2009. So we, we understood that, you know, from our perspective as uh, sports journalists, investigative journalists, not involved in the world of golf, that there was an opportunity there, a big opportunity. Um, and if we did it the right way, and it took us, you know, three years and um, the vast majority of our life, uh, you know, to put this together. And, you know, the biggest challenge is, is, um, you know, getting people to to trust you because, you know, Tiger in many ways had been invisible in plain sight. And um, there were a lot of people that, frankly, had signed non-disclosure agreements, others who were simply not interested in, in any kind of conflict with Team Tiger. And uh, the fact that we did have three years gave us the time to gain the trust of many people um, who had never talked before, um, who were, uh, their lives intersected with tigers at, tigers at critical times in, in his life. So, and then you're dealing with, um, you know, the, the fun house that can be Mark Steinberg and, and his chief spokesman, Glenn Greenspan. But, you know, in the end, we did something that I think that no one else has done. We answered the question, uh, you know, two questions, really. Who is Tiger Woods? And, you know, what's the what's the cost of 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 genius? Absolutely. And it is very well written as well. And of course, you can't tell the story of Tiger without including Earl, who uh, was such a major influence on Tiger's life as a youth and also as an adult to uh, maybe a lesser degree. Uh, What do you think uh, Tiger got from Earl, both positive and negative as a kid? Well, I think, guys, you have to take both Earl and um, Coltita, his mother, uh, known as Tita, because it's a it's a one-two punch in a lot of ways. And if you just begin with the fact that Tiger's first name, Eldrick, um, the E in Eldrick stands for the E in Earl, and the K in Eldrick stands for the K in Cotilda. So he's literally, uh, figuratively, and literally surrounded by his parents since the time he was born. And you're right, there's a there's a yin and a yang here. I mean, Earl definitely gave Tiger um, the, the love and the great passion he had for the game of golf and, and uh, you know, his love of practice. And uh, in many ways, 
helped him uh, in with his creative genius on the golf course. And and Tita was the in many ways the original Tiger Mom in in terms of her attitude towards um, competition and that you you take their heart, you step on their neck. That that wasn't Earl. That was Tita. So you have this two very powerful forces in many ways um, programming uh, Tiger, um, coding Tiger uh, to be the transcendent athlete uh, that he became. But, you know, there's a price associated with that. As I said, I mean, Earl was a, you know, a a womanizer, um, had any number of vices that Tiger witnessed as a, as a teenager. Um, You know, his mother was, um, was, uh, um, beyond being a great disciplinarian, um, she could be ruthless in her own way. So what you get is a um, an athlete, probably the greatest athlete in modern history, certainly uh, the greatest golfer in the last you know 30 years, um, a transcendent figure. But you have a, um, a young man who is so ill-equipped um, in the most basic human, uh, emotions and attributes to um, to walk into this vortex of extreme fame and fortune, and uh, and that's what this book really uh, really revolves around um, is the story of this shy, awkward child programmed for greatness, and you watch as he explodes on the on the scene, and then how he handles or doesn't handle that, um, that level of fame that, that few, if any, people have ever reached. How did Tiger handle instant wealth? Because it happened pretty quickly for him. Uh, once he uh, went from Stanford into the pros, uh, he dominated the, the PGA Tour pretty quickly after that. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, he wins twice in his, uh, his first uh, few months on the tour. Everybody's anticipating that at that time in, in uh, August of of 1996 is even going to make, you know, enough money to become a full-time tour member in 1997. And he wins two of the seven tournaments that he plays in, uh, which is, you know, dumbfounding on, on any number of mm-hmm. levels. Cause wow. he's, you know, he's not even 21 years old yet. He's 20 years old. And then in 97, obviously he wins the masters and that's the beginning of tiger mania. And all of a sudden, every person in the world, uh, of significance, you know, in the world of golf and also you know, corporations from obviously Nike to Titleist to American Express to Accenture to, to Wheaties to Gillette, they're all clamoring for his uh, sponsorship and, and having him as part of their brand. It's an overwhelming um, avalanche of, of um, demands on, on Tiger's time. And what he did really is, is he became – uh, very untrusting of of everything that was happening around him. In fact, there's a, a scene in the book where he is with Alicia O'Meara, as Mark O'Meara's uh, first wife, and really was Tiger's second mother as he moved to to Isleworth to live near the O'Meara's. As Mark is helping him, um, acting as as a big brother and helping him understand the tour, um, Tiger's at a party and just says quietly to Alicia, "You know, who do I?" how do I know who to trust? And she says, well, you don't, but at a certain point in time, you're going to have to um, do that in some way, shape or form. And, you know, Tiger was such a dominant figure that we kind of forget. We were so awed by 
but what he did on the golf course inside the ropes that, you know, you just don't often think of, of how this is affecting him as a person. And yes, he sampled extreme fame and fortune um, and the pleasures and the temptations of that as time went on, uh, almost unlike any other professional athlete. But that doesn't mean that, that he was a well-rounded uh, human being. Armin Tiger Woods has obviously been through a lot in his life, but he's back on the golf course. And I guess just a, a simple question. Do you think right now Tiger Woods is happy? Hmm. I do. And I, and I saw him out at Torrey, um, Torrey Pines in San Diego in, in late January as Jeff and I were just literally writing the last chapter of the book. And we wanted to wait because um, it was his return to professional golf um, in a big way for the first time in five years. And I, I kind of fashioned myself as a tigerologist at this point in time, having spent the large part of the last three years of my life immersed in his life. And I saw things with Tiger I had not seen ever, which is a sense of gratitude and graciousness and appreciation and an engagement with the fans and a smile and a, and a, and a, and a happiness, a humanity that I had not seen. And I think that's what makes this comeback with him so fascinating because before he was a machine and we were awed by the machine and we love to watch that machine operate, but that machine doesn't exist anymore for a lot of different reasons. And what you have is a much more open and I think human Tiger Woods. And that's what I think is attracting people, not just people like myself and people that are turning on and watching golf again in sort of record numbers, um, but people on the tour, uh, his fellow pros and people that had to basically put up with his sense of entitlement for the better part of two decades. So I'm, I'm actually um, – it's this whole, you know, the rise, the fall, the return, and now the redemption, it's Shakespearean. And that's just the four big arcs of his life. Um, and I think this redemption and, and this appreciation is so – um, it's so captivating right now. Do you think that the newfound attitude is a result of uh, what happened with the scandal and him for, being forced to really look inward to see uh, the ways that he was uh, maybe failing others as a human being? I think it was the second, second scandal, guys. I think it was the, uh, not even a year ago, the DUI on the, on the side of the road in, in Florida where he was 15 miles from his house and had no idea where he was, slumped over the wheel of his car with this rock star cocktail of pain killing and mood altering drugs. I mean, that could have very well been the tragic end. Um, you know, driving a, a Mercedes sports car and really having no idea uh, and no business being in a car could have killed himself, could have killed other people. Um, I think that the people that I've talked to and the reporting that we've done, that was rock bottom for tiger. And I think the, obviously the, the spinal fusion uh, eliminated the, the debilitating pain, but uh, the public humiliation and the, I think the realization that he was headed in a very dark uh, direction at that point in time to pull himself out of that, to be you know, physically um, whole for the first time in a long time. But on the other side, I think emotionally and mentally, uh, that changed things for Tiger and uh, in ways that the 09 scandal never did because it was so controlled and 
and and uh, almost manufactured by people, at least the response to it by by people in his inner circle. You wrote throughout the book about media members who maybe wrote, said, or asked something that Tiger didn't like. That person would eventually and ultimately and for a long time feel his ire. Uh, do you think Tiger dislikes you and Jeff because of this book? Well, I don't think we're going to be getting any Christmas cards from, from, uh, from Tiger or Mark Steinberg or Glenn Greenspan. I mean, they've made it pretty clear in a, in a fairly laughable manner, actually, that, you know, that this book was, in their words, a rehash of other books. And I mean, this book has been critically acclaimed from the New York Times to the London Times to the Wall Street Journal to Bloomberg to you name it. And, um, you know, it's a lot of things, a rehash of Tiger's life. If Jeff and I were interested in doing something like that, we wouldn't have spent three years of our life doing that. I can tell you we would have done it in a year and thrown in some salacious crap that that uh, <laughs> would have made a headline or two. And and that would have been the end of it. But um, I think Tiger, um, I think Tiger now has more control over the narrative, his own personal narrative that he has. But I frankly don't think Mark Steinberg or Glenn Greenspan have done Tiger any favors uh, in the last eight or nine years of his life. I think they have, uh, it's all been about protecting uh, the brand and protecting, um, you know, the um, everything to do with the business associated with Tiger Woods rather than honestly engaging in at times in conversations with people that, uh, I mean, Jeff and I don't have any ax to grind here. We're, you know, we're, as you suggested, we're, we're award-winning uh, journalists. Uh, I mean, I was a chief investigative correspondent for CBS news for seven years. I've worked at 60 minutes and real sports. I have no interest in, in grinding an ax against Tiger Woods. What I do have an interest in is understanding, um, what happens, uh, to a young man who is, um, in many ways, um, as I said, engineered uh, to change the game of golf. And then you just start to look at it from a, a biographer's perspective, you know, and what happens to that young man. And that's, that is a Shakespearean uh, story of, of epic proportions. And uh, that's what interested Jeff and I. I, I really just, you know, I think it's insulting, frankly, the attitude that Mark Steinberg has. And it's not to Jeff and I. It's to any journalist, yep. it, you know, to the Jaime Diaz, the Jimmy Roberts, the, the John Feinsteins, the John Strages, to anybody that dares, you know, question um, something that they have spent the last, you know, 20 years trying to protect. And that's the answer, as I said before, as to who, who this guy really is. Absolutely, and uh, I, I can uh, I can concur that this book is uh, far from uh, some some smut piece that you guys just uh, threw together casually by uh, copycatting other things that had been written over time. And uh, Armin, uh, last thing here before we let you go, really appreciate the time again. You weren't able to speak with Tiger. Tiger and his people declined comment for the book. You mentioned the, yeah. there were uh, uh, pl- plenty of uh, of uh, clauses that people had signed that kept them from being able to speak with you uh, for this book. If you could ask her. Ask Ask Tiger one thing, what would it be? Well, I mean, we opened the book with his father being buried, and, and eventually it's an unmarked grave. It's a, it's a pretty powerful way to, to drop into this, into this biography. I think if I had one question, I would, I would want to know why Earl is buried in an unmarked grave in, in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, I think I know the answer to that um, in terms of um, Tita's last word on, some, on things in Earl's life, but 
I'd want to know that. And I, I would like to know if, in fact, last Memorial Day weekend was rock bottom for him. And if so, how that changed his life and in what ways. What is your theory on why the grave is unmarked? My theory is, and it's only a theory, um, is that Earl treated Tita with such disrespect. I mean, their marriage was a marriage in um, more of a business partnership once Tiger was born. And now that's really Earl's words as much as mine in terms of the, the, the loss of intimacy in their, in their marriage. Tiger became the complete focus of their, of their marriage. And, you know, they separated immediately after Tiger turned pro where Tiger could buy his mom her own house. Um, Earl, we detail in the book, is certainly verbally abusive of Tita uh, in multiple times, and his wanton womanizing wasn't any great secret to anybody. Um, I think it's her last word. I think the last thing Earl Woods would have wanted would to be buried in an unmarked grave. He would rather have a huge monument, um, a gravestone uh, engraved with the words, I, I, you know, I created Tiger Woods, or here lies Tiger Woods' father with a a band playing 24 hours a day and spotlights on the grave. <laughs> and that's Tita's way of saying that this is your um, this is your reward for everything that you did uh, to me. Interesting. Well, uh, wow. actually, I lied, Armin. There's there's one more one more last question because Uh-oh. I'm Armenian. That's you're okay. Armenian. I am uh, very Uh-oh. proud to uh, see your work not as not only as somebody who works in the media, but also as uh, somebody who appreciates seeing another Armenian do a great job with things. What's the best thing about being an Armenian? <laughs> best thing about being well, two best things. Once the food is great, and, yep. um, and that's one thing. But I think it's the history. Um, you know, my grandmother um, was was part of the Armenian genocide. She was walked across the Syrian desert in a death march with her family. I mean, that part of my my history. Uh, parents are Armenian. My mom and dad were Armenian. Uh, I, I'm very proud to be an Armenian, and uh, I think the people that I've met. Um, all around the the world, really, um, there's a humility and a uh, a shared history of of uh, of an absolute horrific genocide that that um, you know brings all of us together. So I think I, I'm extremely proud um, of of my uh, of my heritage. Absolutely, my great great grandmother actually had to sneak out of Turkey as a uh, Turkish soldier and come over here to America to escape the genocide. So I uh, feel you on the uh, the personal story that comes from that uh, terrible era from the late 1800s and early 1900s, Armin. Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting to hear that question talking about the Tiger Woods book. Huh? <laughs> I wasn't, but it was. An, that's a share, as you talk about a shared history. That's exactly what they. These stories are out of the Arabian Nights kind of stuff. My grandmother's the same way. I could sit here for an hour and tell you her story, but, um, you know, um, you know, I married it. They, they call them Odars. That's the non-Armenians, but my wife can, uh, <laughs> she, she knows the history and she's proud of it. And, uh, you know, I've got one daughter that looks like the fourth Kardashian and the other one that looks like her mom. So it's, it's pretty hysterical, you know, in terms of uh, you know, <laughs> how things turn out down the line. But uh, they're both very proud of their heritage, too. Can we agree as a couple of Armenians that the worst thing about being Armenian is the Kardashians? Oh, I don't know. I think they're hysterical, you know, in their own way. And they, <laughs> Fair enough. You know, they've, and they have done some great things for the Armenian community. Certainly Kim has. And my daughter can probably recite every episode in the history of it while I, every time it comes <laughs> on, I just go, do we really have to? I don't want to watch this. So, but, you know, the, I, I was impressed with what they did. They did go to Armenia and do some things there that were very powerful. Um, okay. And, and the fact that they got, you know, 
uh, an international stage helps to, as well. No doubt about that. All right. Well, Armin, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Highly mm-hmm. recommend hey Tiger Woods to everybody. You wrote this with Jeff Benedict. It is a great book. And uh, take care, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. My pleasure.